In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The Gospel reading today is a very moving one. It touches our hearts in different ways, perhaps because we see in ourselves something in that story, in that parable of Christ. I think at the heart of it, what we see is the depth of the compassion and love of Christ, of God the Father, of the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the depth of compassion and love for us. It's important to understand that, that it's the Holy Trinity we are referring to. Because through the Holy Trinity, we will experience that compassion in, in unique ways. What was it that attracted the prodigal son to leave the father? If being with the father was a loving experience, why did he leave? You ever wonder that? Why did he leave? If we see by the end of the story that the father is so loving, so compassionate, he welcomes him back, He's so generous, even at the beginning of the story. He gives him the money. He gives him everything. He tells him, go. He's so generous. Why would the son leave in the first place? This is a question we can ask ourselves. Why do we not commit ourselves to Christ fully? Why do we sort of hold back? What is it that we are instead putting our hearts and desires into? And that's the question. The son, the prodigal son, was attracted by something else, something in the world, in a faraway country. And this attraction in him, this desire in him, was eating away at him. He was hungering and thirsting for this, hungering and thirsting for something else other than to be with the Father. And that hunger and thirst was so strong in him that he was willing to give up being with the Father to go and experience these things. And this is again what happens to most of, uh, many of us. This is what happens to humanity. We leave the Father and we instead go after things of the world because we have this insatiable hunger and thirst for them, which also our enemy tries to instill in us over and over every day through various means. And we fall for it. We go for it. We leave the Father's presence and we go after these things whatever they may be. In this story, in the parable, there is a very uh, 
clear indication of what the prodigal was doing. He was spending his money on entertainment, on harlots, on food, on all the sins of the flesh. He was trying to satisfy the craving of his flesh. And then he ran out of money and could no longer do that. Not only that, the place where he was at experienced a famine and there was massive starvation. And it said no one gave him anything. Nothing. And so in this utter nothingness, utter darkness, where there is no love, there's no kindness, and you cannot satisfy your flesh anymore, suddenly his soul rises up. His soul feels its own anguish its own hunger and thirst. The body is feeling the thirst and the hunger. He's in that darkness. And through that darkness, in that anguish, his soul comes out. And now his soul is thirsting and hungry, and he doesn't know how he could possibly satisfy that. Neither can he satisfy his flesh anymore. So he's dead. That's why the Father says, my son was dead. He is dead. Physically, he's dying, and spiritually, he's at the absolute bottom. What do you call it? The uh, rock bottom. He's at rock bottom. Thank you. And then what happens? The Holy Spirit, God touches him somehow. We don't know the mystery. But you see, when we are in that darkness, something comes to us. God sees us that we are now at rock bottom. Now we're ready to listen. Now we realize who really cares for us, what we really need. But we wouldn't know that until we hit rock bottom and have entered in absolute depravity, then we're ready for God. This is what happens for many people, maybe for you. Then we're ready. And so the prodigal remembers his father and his father's house. He gets up out of the filth he's in, represented by the pigsty that he's working in the darkness, he gets up and he remembers his father. He has a moment of what we call metania, a, a turning of the mind. And he is humbled and says, I will return to my father and ask him to hire me as a slave. He doesn't even see himself as a son anymore. And so he returns, and as you heard in the gospel, while the fa father sees him at a distance, he comes out and runs to him, embraces him, and welcomes him back with 
amazing display of love and generosity that the Father always had. So what are we saying here? The Father never changes. The Father never changes. He is unchangeable, as we say. The love of the Father, the mercy of the Father, the compassion of the Father, the generosity of the Father never changes, despite what the Son does. It's the Son who changes. It's the Son who leaves the Father, who desires to experience these things that the devil has planted in his mind to take him away from the Father and live this life away from the Father's embrace, away from the Father's protection, away from the Father's love, away from the Father's and his own identity. The devil has pulled him away to that so that he can be in the darkness with the devil and live with the devil in the darkness and in the filth and in the evil. And even today, so many people are doing this, allowing the devil to pull them away into nothingness, into darkness, into sin. And the Father does not change. He's the same. And again, we see this when the Son returns. The Father doesn't scold him. He doesn't say, where have you been? He doesn't say, oh, now you're coming back because you ran out of money. You see, he is an incomprehensible kind of love. We would probably act that way, wouldn't we? We would be critical. We would be hesitant to forgive someone. We will hold a grudge because we do not have the love of the Father. But we are supposed to have the love of the Father. And that's what you see in the older son. He did not have the love of the father. The older son did not have the love of the, of the father. He wanted a reward. He wanted to be recognized. He had no compassion for his brother. He doesn't even want to call him his brother. He says, this son of yours. But the father says, your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. <clears throat> so this amazing, amazing gospel reading of the prodigal son, what should we learn from it today? It's easy to kind of see in it a, a nice moral story, a nice moral uh, a kind of meaningful message. If we do that, we are leaving it in the book. We're leaving it at a distance. And we approach it as though it's just a nice spiritual lesson for us to take. We have to go deeper than that. We have to be honest. Because what the prodigal son did is what we must do. And he did two things, maybe three. The first thing he did <clears throat> was he recognized that he was 
in the darkness. And he recognized that he was absolutely hopeless and helpless. And he remembered his father and he turned from his sin and began walking back to the Father, returning to the Father. That's the first thing we need to do. Now, how did he do that? He confessed. He recognized his sin, and then when he came to his Father, he confessed to him. He said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. So he realized his sin. Next, he confessed his sin in all humility. And for that, for his willingness to do that, God in return forgives him and bestows upon him amazing, amazing riches, spiritual riches. He restores his identity he gives him what he was truly seeking, what he was truly hungering for, and welcomes him home. The sacrament of confession is exactly this experience in our Holy Orthodox Church. The sacrament of confession is when we really realize what is going on within us, the darkness within us, the sin that are, that are still within us, the habitual sin, whatever it is, we have to take that moment and see ourselves in it and wake up to it and then get up and return to the Father's house and confess it. And when we do, the Father forgives us, welcomes us back, restores our identity and embraces us with his love and forgiveness as though we never left, as though we never departed from him because his love is unchangeable. So that's how we can act on what we heard in this gospel reading and not just keep it as a nice story we hear once a year but take it and act on it. Come to confession. Go to confession wherever it is you want to go. But you must do it, or you will remain in the filth of your sins, and you will not be forgiven. You will not be embraced by the Father. It's up to all of us. It's up to you. And confession is not a one-time thing because sin is not a one-time thing, but we continually sin. How many times do we do it during the week? How many times do we get angry? How many times do we get prideful? How many times do we look at something we shouldn't? How many times do we get resentful, greedy, envious, jealous? How many times? Do we judge? How many times are we critical? How many times do we fail to show love 
and to be generous and to be kind. How many times? All of that is the same as what was going on with the prodigal. We are in the darkness of sin. And all of that must be confessed so that we can be a son and daughter of the Father who is not like that, but is the complete opposite of that. How can I live in His presence if I'm not like Him? But I have to become like Him. And that's what this life is about, to become like the loving, compassionate, kind, generous, forgiving, Holy Father. Glory to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But his judgment of the earthly judge is flawed because he's dealing with flawed logic and flawed laws of man that have to do with crime and punishment and, you know, morality and ethics. Christ is the true judge. Why? Because he's not simply sitting on a chair in a black robe and judging people. He is on the cross, crucified. And that brings him, and that gives them the ultimate authority. How does that work? Because we, we cannot say that God did not understand us. We cannot say that Christ did not know what suffering meant. We cannot say that God, Christ did not know uh, what it was to live in this world and to experience everything we experience. He experienced every single thing that human beings experience, including poverty, 
including sadness and loneliness and violence, betrayal, everything, except sin. And so he identifies with us in the every possible way. And for that reason, he is the righteous judge. Because a judge in a courtroom who pronounces a sentence on someone who's committed a crime does not identify with that person that he's sentencing. That judge doesn't know what kind of life this person led that led him to commit that crime. So he's not a righteous judge. He's simply applying a law. But Christ is a righteous judge in all of that, what that means because he did identify with us. He did experience life in this world. And that's what makes him righteous. And so, as we said, the Father, the Holy Trinity, is loving, is compassionate, but also righteous. And what is the criteria of the judgment? It's very simple. And the Gospel reading tells us everything that the sheep and the goats did or didn't do is exactly what Christ did. In other words, we will be judged not by what so much we did, but what we didn't do. We will be judged by what we didn't do. Because even the one thing he says, he says, if you gave it to one, one of the least of my brethren, you did it to me. Again, look at God's generosity. One. If you did it to one person, then you are justified. Then you have acted according to God's will and acted like God. But the goats are judged for what they didn't do. He's, and, and it's the same law, the same application. You didn't do it even to one of the least of my brethren. And that's why you didn't even do it to me. One. Can you imagine that? Look how generous God is. He's saying, just take care of one person and you will be worthy of the heavenly kingdom. So who is that one person? Well, it could be anybody in your life. It could be your spouse, your father, mother, friend, a stranger. Who are you taking care of? Who are you loving? Who are you sacrificing for? This is the root message. And when you do this, of course, it's not going to be just one person. You're going to want to do this with for others and others and others. And then there are those who don't want to do it for nobody. And they're very self-serving and very selfish. And that's obviously what we're trying to avoid. 
So the judgment will come. It's not a matter of if, but when. The world will end. Everything that we see and know, everything that we understand as reality, will come to an end. We have to really remember that and meditate on that. You know why? Because we get caught up in a very fake reality, a fake understanding of reality. We kind of think we're going to live forever and everything is going to be just forever. We act that way. Even though people around us are dying constantly, we still seem to think that we're going to live forever somehow. This is a delusion, a deception of the devil. The wise man will remember death and remember the judgment that's coming. And our world needs to be judged. Wouldn't you say our world needs judgment? For the terrible things that human beings are still doing to each other at this very minute. Imagine how patient God is with us. He still gives us time. Every day of our lives is time. Because when we die, that's our judgment day. But in the future, there will be the ultimate end of the world as well. But we have to be ready. And again, how is that possible? How can I be ready? We cannot take anything for granted. This period of great Lent, my friends, brothers and sisters, is the time to get ready. That's why we do this. It's a time to return to God, to get right with Him again, to dedicate my mind to Him a little more because it's been distracted by so many other things, to dedicate my body through fasting through him, to Him a little more because it's been just indulging in entertainment and food and pleasure without limit. Now I'm going to bring it back to Him. And it's also a time to love others, to do something for others instead of only for myself. That's the criteria of our judgment. And so Great Lent is a beautiful time. We can do this. And not that we don't want to do these things. We are Christians. This is who you are. That's what a Christian does. He prays. She fasts. He gives to the needy. This is you. We're not doing anything in Great Lent that somehow is foreign to us. We're just saying, let's be Christians a little more during this time and rejoice in that. Rejoice in being Christians and bringing life and love and peace and goodness into the world, which needs it very badly. In the early church, there was a saying, a little phrase that the Christians would say all the time that we have to remember as well. And it has to do with Judgment Day. It's a word in Aramaic, and it's maranta. Sometimes it's in the anglicized version, you might read it as maranatha. 
Maranta. You know, they would say this constantly to each other. You know what that means? Maran means Lord. Ta means come. Lord, come. Ma, our Lord, come. He would, people would say this to each other. The Christians would say this to each other constantly. It even appears in the scriptures at the end of the letters of St. Paul. Why were they saying this? Imagine, they knew of the second coming. They knew the judgment. They knew the world was going to end when Christ came. And they were praying for it. They were asking for it constantly. What a, what a different, how different we are nowadays. This is how it was. This is the faith and the sense of devotion to Christ that the early Christians had. Because they knew that all they wanted was to be with the Lord. They couldn't wait for him to return. Do we have that kind of desire? Or are we saying, Lord, wait until I repent some more. Wait till I, you know, do this and this and that before you return. No one knows when Christ will return. But he will. And the second coming will not be like the first. He will come in glory, it says in the gospel. He will come in glory unimaginable. And all the angels with him. So, two things to take away from this gospel reading. Be inspired as we start Great Lent. Be encouraged, be inspired to be a Christian a little more, to dedicate yourself, to return to your identity a little bit more during Great Lent through the worship services, through the fasting, through the opportunities of helping others, which God will put before you. He will put before you opportunities to help somebody. And repentance as the change of my behavior that is required in order to come into the kingdom, to enter into the kingdom, Repentance is required. The people that are condemned in the Gospel reading are those who did not repent. They did not repent. They insisted on living their lives the way they desired. They did not wish to change. And so Great Lent is the time for change. We have to experience Great Lent and go through it, and hopefully, by the end of it, something will have changed in us. We will have had a little bit more strength to overcome something in us, perhaps a bad habit, perhaps a sin, perhaps some part of us that's still closed off or not loving others enough. And we're, we're really working on opening our hearts cleansing our minds. Great Lent provides that opportunity. We cannot squander it. What if this was our great, last Great Lent? You don't know. What if it is our last Great Lent? 
Will we squander it or will we take advantage of this opportunity? This is what we should be thinking. This kind of urgency of life and death must be with us if we are to be Christians. Life and death in an instant. We are either alive or dead in an instant. It takes three seconds to die when death comes. Three seconds. Where are we going to be? Will we be with the goats or with the sheep? This is very serious. So, let us have that sense again of urgency, of wanting to live the Christian life, taking advantage of the opportunity that Great Lent gives us. Let us be like Christ. Let him see himself in us on Judgment Day. Let us take care of just one person and not ignore that one person that comes to us. So many opportunities to live out our Christian calling. Now is the time. Today is the time. The judgment will happen. And we prepare ourselves for that judgment in this life. Did you catch what he says about the kingdom of heaven? He says, this has been prepared for you since the beginning of time. Imagine that. The kingdom of heaven was created, was prepared. Prepared for you. The sheep, the followers of Christ, prepared for you from the foundations of the earth. God desired for you to be with him in his kingdom before he even created the world, he saw you, he wanted you to live with him. That's what that means. And what does he say about the place of punishment? He says, that was prepared for the devil and his angels. That's who hell is prepared for. So again, why would we want to be with the devil and his angels in a place that wasn't meant for us? But we choose that. We end up choosing that place by the choices we make in this life. This is where we will end up because we have fallen into that kind of identity and forsaken our Christian identity. It's very serious and today is a warning to all of us, myself included, to be ready to repent, <clears throat> to once again reclaim my Christian identity and to do it during this beautiful and needed time of Great Lent. Glory to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You covered the 40 days. <laughs> yeah. That's right.
again and countless times we fall down before you. We implore you, good one, who loves mankind, that you, having regarded our prayer, may cleanse our souls and bodies from every defilement of flesh and spirit. Grant to us to stand before your holy altar of sacrifice, free of guilt and condemnation. Grant also, God, those who pray with us progress in life, faith, and spiritual understanding. Grant that they will always worship you with awe and love, partake of your holy mysteries without guilt or condemnation, deemed worthy of your celestial kingdom. That ever guarded by your might, we may ascribe glory to you, to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, now and forever and to the ages of ages. King of glory, for the Sovia is great and awesome, even for the heavenly powers. Yet because of your ineffable and immeasurable love for mankind, you have passed me and permitted to became man. You as the master of all became our high priest and delivered unto us the sacred service of this liturgical sacrifice without the shedding of blood. Indeed, Lord our God, you alone reign over the celestial and terrestrial, born aloft on the cherubic throne, Lord of the seraphim and King of Israel, the only holy and resting among the holy ones, I now beseech you who alone are good and inclined to hear. Look down upon me, your sinful and unprofitable servant. Cleanse my soul and heart of a wicked conscience and enable me by the power of your Holy Spirit, clothed with the grace of the priesthood, to stand before your holy table and celebrate the mystery of your holy and pure body and your precious blood. I come before you with my head bowed and I implore you, turn not your face away from me nor reject me from among your children, but make me your sinful and unworthy servant, worthy to offer these gifts to you. For you are the one who both offers and is offered, the one who is received and is distributed, O Christ our God. To you we offer glory with your Father who is without beginning, and your all-holy good and life-creating Spirit, now and forever to the ages of ages. Amen. Let us who mystically represent the cherubim sing the thrice holy hymn to the life-creating Trinity, now lay aside all cares of life, that we may receive the King of all his be escorted by angelicals. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Let us who mystically represent the cherubim sing the thrice holy hymn to the life creating trinity. Now lay aside all cares of life, that we may receive the king all invisibly escorted by Jehovah's Let us who mystically represent the cherubim sing the thrice holy hymn to the life creating trinity. Now lay aside all cares of life, that we may receive the king of all invisibly escorted by angels.
Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Press me not away from your presence. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Our God, remember you all in his kingdom, now and always, and unto the ages of ages. Pandon imon ministi, Kyrios o Theos, and ti vasilia aftu, pandoten inke aji keis tu seonas ton eonon. taken your body down from the cross, placed it in a newly hewn tomb, having wrapped it with a clean and enshrouded, having anointed it with fragrant spices. Let us complete our prayer to the Lord. 
For the precious gifts here presented, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and those who enter it with faith, reverence and the fear of God, let us pray to the Lord. For our deliverance from all affliction, wrath, danger, and necessity, let us pray to the Lord. Help us, save us, have mercy upon us, and protect us, O God, by your grace. That the whole day may be perfect, holy, peaceful, and without sin, let us ask of the Lord. For an angel of peace, a faithful guide, a guardian of our souls and bodies, let us ask of the Lord. For pardon and remission of our sins and transgressions, let us ask of the Lord. For that which is good and beneficial for our souls and for peace in the world, let us ask of the Lord. That we may complete the remaining time of our life in peace and repentance, let us ask of the Lord. And let us ask for a Christian ending to our life peaceful, without shame and suffering, and a good defense before the awesome judgment seat of Christ. Commemorating our most holy, pure, blessed, and glorious Lady, the Theotokos, and ever-Virgin Mary with all the saints, let us commit ourselves and one another and our whole life to Christ our God. Lord God Almighty, you alone are holy. You accept the sacrifice of praise from those who call upon you with their whole heart. Even so, accept from us sinners our supplication and bring it to your holy altar of sacrifice. Enable us to offer you gifts and spiritual sacrifices for our own sins and for the failings of your people. Deem us worthy to find grace in your sight that our sacrifice may be well-pleasing to you and that the good spirit of your grace may rest upon us and upon the gifts here presented and upon all your people. Through the mercies of your only begotten Son with whom you are blessed, together with your all-holy, good, and life-creating Spirit, now and forever, and to the ages of ages. Peace be with you all. Let us love one another that with one mind we may confess. Father, Son, and... 
Christ is in our midst. He is a shalom. The doors, the doors in wisdom, let us be attentive. Believe in one God, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all ages, light of light, true God of true God, begotten, not created, of one essence with the Father, through whom all things were made, who for us men and for salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and became man. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate, and he suffered and was buried, and he rose on the third day according to the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the creator of life, who proceeds from the Father, who together in worship, who spoke through the prophets in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Let us stand aright, let us stand in awe, let us be attentive, that we may present the holy offering in peace. See in peace, sacrifice of prayer. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us lift up our hearts. We lift them up to 
Let us give thanks unto the Lord. It is proper and right to hymn you, to bless you, to praise you, to give thanks to you, to worship you in every place of your dominion. For you, O God, are ineffable, inconceivable, invisible, incomprehensible, existing forever and forever the same. You and your only begotten Son and your Holy Spirit, you brought us out of nothing into being. When we had fallen away, you raised us up again. You left nothing undone until you had led us up to heaven and granted us your kingdom, which is to come. For all these things we thank you and your only begotten Son and your Holy Spirit. For all things we know and do not know, for blessings manifest and hidden that have been bestowed on us. We thank you also for this liturgy which you have deigned to receive from our hands, even though thousands of archangels and tens of thousands of angels stand around you. The cherubim and the seraphim, six-winged, many-eyed, soaring aloft upon their wings. Singing the triumphal hymn, exclaiming, proclaiming, and saying, Sublime is your glory. You so loved your world that you gave your only begotten Son, so that everyone who believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. When he had come and fulfilled for our sake the entire plan of salvation, on the night when he was delivered up, or rather when he delivered himself up for the life of the world, he took bread in his holy. He took bread. The bread in his holy, pure, and blameless hands, and giving thanks in this, he hallowed and broke it and gave it to his holy disciples and apostles, saying, This is my body, which is broken for you, for the remission of sins. Likewise, after partaking of the supper, he took the cup, saying, Drink of this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many 
for the remission of sins. Remembering, therefore, this saving commandment and all that has been done for our sake, the cross, the tomb, the resurrection on the third day, the ascension into heaven, the enthronement at the right hand, and the second and glorious coming again. O oh God, be gracious to me, a sinner, have mercy on me. O oh God, be gracious to me, a sinner, have mercy on me. O oh God, be gracious to me, a sinner, have mercy on me. We offer to you these gifts from your own gifts in all and for all. Once again we offer to you this spiritual worship without the shedding of blood. And we ask and we pray and we entreat you. Send down your Holy Spirit upon us and upon the gifts here presented. And make this bread the precious body of your Christ. And that which is in this cup, the precious blood of your Christ. Amen. Changing them by your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So that they may be for those who partake of them. For the children of soul. Remission of sins. Communion of your Holy Spirit. Fullness of the kingdom of heaven. Boldness before you, not for judgment or condemnation. Again, we offer you this spiritual worship for those who have reposed in the faith. Forefathers, fathers, patriarchs, prophets, apostles, preachers, evangelists, martyrs, confessors, ascetics, every righteous spirit made perfect in faith. especially for our most holy, pure, blessed, and glorious Lady, the Theotokos and Ever-Virgin Mary.
among Oxionesti Among the first, remember, Lord Archbishop Eurasimus, grant him to your holy churches in peace, safety, honor, and health unto length of days, rightly teaching the word of your truth, and remember those whom each one of us has in mind, and all your people. Remember, Lord, this city in which we live, every city and land, the faithful who live in them. Remember, Lord, those who travel by land, sea, and air, the sick, the suffering, the captives, and their salvation. Remember those who bear fruit and do good works in your holy churches, and those who are mindful of the poor. Upon us all, send forth your mercy. Grant that with one voice and one heart we may glorify and praise your most honorable and majestic name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, now and forever and unto ages of ages. And the mercy of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, be with you all. Having remembered all the saints again and again in peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the precious gifts here presented and consecrated, let us pray to the Lord. That our God, who loves mankind, having accepted them at his holy and celestial and mystical altar as an offering of spiritual fragrance, may in return send down upon us the divine grace and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Having asked for the unity of the faith and the communion of the Holy Spirit, let us commit ourselves and one another and all our life unto Christ our God. We entrust to you, O loving Master, our whole life and hope, 
and we beseech, pray, and implore you. Grant us to partake of your heavenly and awesome mysteries from this sacred and spiritual table with a clear conscience for the remission of sins, the forgiveness of transgressions, the communion of the Holy Spirit, the inheritance of the kingdom of heaven, and boldness before you, and not unto judgment or condemnation. And grant us, Master, with boldness and without condemnation, to dare call you the heavenly God, Father, and to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us down to temptation. Pater Imon, O Antisuranis, Agias Titotonomasu, Baben Vishmeya, Paish, Kotcha Shimmuch, Etia Melkutuch, Havur, Zayuch, Dachi, Bishmeya, Uppara, Havilan Lachmas, Unkana, Yuman, Shwoklan Jnayan, Dachapachnan, Shwoklan Dene Dananan, Lama Rutlan Juraba, Illa Pasi, Lan Minbisha. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forever, and to the ages of ages. Peace be with you all. Let us bow our heads unto the Lord. We give thanks to you, invisible King, who by your boundless power fashioned the universe. In the multitude of your mercy brought all things from nothing into being. Look down from heaven, Master, on those who bow their heads before you. They've, they've bowed not before flesh and blood, but before you, the awesome God. Therefore, Master, make smooth and beneficial for us all whatever lies ahead according to the need of each of us. Sail with those who sail, travel with those who travel, and heal the sick as the physician of our souls and bodies. Through the grace, compassion, and love for mankind of your only begotten Son, with whom you are blessed, together with your all-holy, good, and life-creating Spirit, now and forever, and to the ages of ages. Amen. Hear us, O Lord Jesus Christ, our God, from your holy dwelling place and from the glory, uh, throne of glory of your kingdom. Come to sanctify us, you who are enthroned with the Father on high, and are present among us, invisibly here. And with your mighty hand, grant communion of your most pure body and your most precious blood to us and through us, to all your people. 
God, be gracious to me, a sinner, and have mercy. Oh God, be gracious to me, a sinner, and have mercy on me. Oh God, be gracious to me, a sinner, and have mercy on me. Let us be attentive. The holy gifts are for the holy people of God. Receive me today, Son of God. <clears throat> Brothers, sisters, forgive me, the unworthy priest. Behold, I approach Christ, our model King and God, the most precious body. Of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has given to me Nemos, the unworthy priest, for the forgiveness of my sins and life eternal.
Jesus, touch my lips. The Lord takes away my transgressions. And my sin is forgiven. Glory to you, O God. Glory to you. <clears throat> With the fear of God, with faith and love, approach metaphovutheu, pistios que agapis proselthete. receives the body and blood of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins. Life eternal. A servant of God. <clears throat> Juliana receives the body and the blood of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins. And life <clears throat> Sicilian the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Good job. The servant of God, Melissa, receives the body and blood of Jesus Christ, forgiveness of sins and life eternal. The servant of God, servant of God. Mariam receives the body and blood of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins and life eternal. <coughs> the servant of God, James Arthur. The servant of God, Natalie, receives the body and the blood of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins and life eternal. The servant of God, Elijah receives the body and the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, forgiveness of sins and life eternal. Amen. 